Purple Insider is presented by Liquid Death, delicious water that's bringing death to plastic. Learn more at liquiddeath.com insider. episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar, along with Will Raggetts of Sports Illustrated. And Will, we have to turn the page here. As easy as it is to continue to go back to that Colts comeback game, what it all means, uh, we have broken it down in every which way. And now it is a discussion about the New York Giants. But here's where I want to begin. And I know there's no real way to project this, but we have to discuss the possibility The last time the Vikings had a historically great comeback game where they won in unbelievable fashion and, by the way, had like 170 plays in a game that went to overtime and then went four hours and that I was very hungry at the end and needed some food and they had no consideration for that, Uh, they came out the next week and lost 40-3. to Now, I don't think that the New York Giants have 40 points in them anywhere. Usually it takes about two to two and a half games for the Giants to get that many points. Uh, But is it a legitimate concern that the Vikings are coming off another very emotional game and have to play a team that does have eight wins? I think it is a concern. And yeah, you can set it up like uh, there's some, there's some good parallels where they come off the emotional end of overtime, crazy game of the year win to play an NFC East team at home. And like you said, the Giants are not the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's pretty clear. But they are—they do have eight wins. I, I don't know if I want to say that they are a good team or a great team, but they have eight wins. They have some good areas of their game that they do pretty well. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, their their rookie pass rusher, has been really coming on. So like they have some pieces. And I think the bigger thing is from the Vikings end of, of things, like. They are coming off a very emotional win. They clinched the NFC North. Like, there's almost sort of some finality to the NFC North thing where you put on the T-shirts and you put on the hats and like, oh, we did it. But now you got to go play a game the next week anyways. And these games still matter because there's seating on the line that has real implications for what will happen in the postseason. So I think from the Vikings perspective, it, it's going to be a challenge to – kind of just flushed this and and it was a great win and it was it was cool and historic and all that but you got to move on and you can't take this Giants team lightly coming into your building on Saturday. Yeah, the funny thing about the Giants is that on paper there's just nothing to be impressed by really at all. But the way that they played against Washington made me think they could definitely be dangerous to this Vikings team. They do not have a passing attack that's going to scare you really at all. Uh, Saquon Barkley's been dealing with a bit of a neck thing. I don't know if he's exactly at 100% coming into this one. And uh, their uh, one of their top corners has not practiced in the first two days leading up to this game. So there's a lot of things on paper where you'd say, uh, you know, I, I don't know, like what's really good about this team. But the Vikings have had this tendency to make teams that we're not all that impressed by uh, hang around in these games and play really close with them. And I just feel like the way the Giants play a lot of their games, it's intentional. It's like by design for them to run the ball a lot and blitz a lot and try to get a couple of turnovers, try not to turn the ball over. And, and, you know, Kirk Cousins has taken quite a few sacks this year, and this is a team that's starting to ramp up the pressure. So there's definitely a world, even when you're not saying, okay, the Giants are Super Bowl contenders or something, and when they're 20th in offense and 14th in defense, where this is one that's disappointing for them because of what they went through over this last week and, and how hard it is to bounce back for that, but also because the, the Giants, as much as they have sputtered, they still have enough talent uh, to make things interesting. And I, and I actually think, Will, that it's a good test for all those Donatel things that we've been breaking down this week. The man coverage playing tighter. I think Duke Shelley's going to start as the corner as opposed to Cam Dantzler, which is a, a positive for them. Moving Harrison Smith around more often. like All these things that they did to fluster the Colts, well, it's, it's on tape now for Brian Dable. So I feel like it's a really good test case for them, even if I don't think that this is a team that's like San Francisco or like Dallas or, or like the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, it's 
uh, it's an interesting game for several reasons. And one of the reasons is, I mean, this is almost a guarantee to be a one score game. If you look at the Vikings are played in so many one score games, the giants have played in all kinds of one score games. They have a couple tough losses as do the Vikings. They got blown out by Philly recently, They actually lost by 14 to Seattle and they lost to Detroit by 13. But other than that, every game has been one score game. All of their wins have been one score wins. So these are two similar teams. Like, you said it, they want to try to win like 21 to 20 or 23 to 17. Like those are some actual results that they have had this season looking at their schedule. And just with the way they play, I think the biggest difference for them compared to previous seasons has just been coaching. Like they haven't massively upgraded their talent. I think the the path they're on, like they could be good down the line. They probably need to figure out uh, the quarterback situation. I don't think Daniel Jones is their long-term guy, but It's not a massively talented team, but the coaching has gotten a lot better. Brian Dable has helped Daniel Jones have a career year, and that hasn't meant lighting the world on fire, but it's meant cutting down massively on the turnovers that were such a major issue for him his first few seasons. He's playing fairly efficient, effective football. He's not putting up huge numbers, but again, taking care of the football. He's he's a dual threat guy, which, so the Donatel stuff, they blitzed the heck out of Matt Ryan, at least compared to... Uh, what we what we had seen from them all season, and that worked well. Daniel Jones, a lot more mobile than Matt Ryan, which is going to kind of present some some different challenges for how you want to approach that. And then on the other side of the ball, which we'll talk about too, like Wink Martindale is he loves blitzing. If, if Vikings fans are watching, have been watching their team all season, like why don't we blitz more? Well, you you'll enjoy watching the Giants because they blitz like half the time. I mean, I think I think it's forty percent, which leads the league by a good clip like he is going to come after you all the time rarely rushing for especially in obvious passing situations so how the vikings adjust to that with kind of hot route options for kirk quick reads uh different pickups from dalvin cook the tight ends things like that are going to be important so when you play a blitz heavy team there's potential for disaster fumbles sacks force throws that lead to picks but there are also opportunities if you can diagnose it right and get the ball out quickly to take advantage of them vacating a lot of numbers and coverage and, and hit some explosive plays. And, and the Vikings definitely have the weapons starting with Justin Jefferson to do that. Yeah. There's a lot on paper that is sort of similar to the Vikings in that uh, the giants are great at not turning the ball over. They have caused a good number of turnovers themselves. They get after the quarterback, like you mentioned. Um, but when you look at their scoring percentages, Uh, Very mediocre, like they're 17th in the league in them scoring. They've allowed uh, the percentage of opponents scoring the sixth most, but they've been really good in the red zone. Does any of this sound familiar to you? (laughs) Like uh, they are really good on third down. Does any of this sound familiar with you? It's like these two teams kind of looking in the mirror. And when you look at their expected points, and there are differences, of course, namely Justin Jefferson is really the difference between these two teams, but the expected win-loss for the New York Giants, they should be a six and eight football team right now. And instead they are eight, five and one uh, because of a lot of these close games. And I mean, this has always been sort of an NFL truth. And I think this is why uh, the whole one score game thing has always been pretty predictive and almost might be a reason why it's hard to apply to the Vikings. If they stay where they are an offensive rank where they're in the top 10, it's usually teams will try to shrink the game down and hope for one play or one pass interference not called at the end of a game when you're not that good. Like that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to not turn the ball over. You're trying to run the football. You're trying to kind of make it shorter, keep the other team off the field and then hope for some big plays, send some big blitzes on defense. You get one turnover, one key sack. Like that's how the Giants are playing. It's I think that it's very self-aware of Brian Dable to play a style of football that is not saying, hey, you know what, Daniel Jones, why don't you go out there and throw for 350? Let's light the world on fire. Like that's just not going to play well for them and they've been on the right side of variance so it's two teams who have kind of played in that same style and really until the last couple of games I think the Vikings offense has tried to do that in a lot of games where they've tried to throw the ball short and they've tried to run the ball with Delvin Cook quite a bit and in these last two games they've been playing from behind so they've been forced to opening up what I would like to see from the Vikings is on both sides of the ball I mean, play like you're already in the playoffs and try some things out here because blitzing more worked. 
running Harrison Smith all over the place worked throwing the football down the field to Justin Jefferson works and, and being aggressive with some of the, you know, things like Delvin cook in the passing game, like getting that going to a point where they ran a five wide receiver and he was all the way out the sideline. He ran an underneath kind of slant route and they hit him for a decent size gain. We haven't seen something like that all year long. So there's some things that you can kind of experiment with, but what I think would be the most effective method when there's kind of nothing to lose is go all in on being aggressive and see what it looks like against a team that you could play in the playoffs in the Giants. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I, this will be a big game, I think, for Dalvin Cook's usage. And you pointed it out, like, the way he was using the passing game was something we had been talking about going back to OTAs and training camp, whether that was going to be a thing. And we hadn't really seen it all year. And then it kind of finally showed up in this game. And there was that underneath route that he ran where everybody cleared out. and then. The, the big the biggest play of the game, he lines up wide, catches a screen, has two blockers right there in front of him and takes it 64 yards to the house. So that was a big thing. Uh, just looking at the run defense, I mean, the Giants are towards the very bottom of the league. That's been a huge issue for them. Nobody's given up more yards per carry than them. I think 5.4 EPA, DVOA, their, their run defense is terrible, which in, in, on one hand, you're like, wait, they have Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Like they have some good guys up front, but... I think we've seen you can have Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce up front and still not be a good run defense. Like that's not the only thing that matters. It's linebackers fitting the run. It's can your DBs come down and tackle against the run. And then what we already touched on, if you blitz a lot, that'll leave you susceptible. Like maybe team will hit you with a draw on third and four and that that can get 30 yards. Like that leaves you open to the run as well. So I think this will be a big game for, for Dalvin cooks usage, both in the running game and in the passing game. But I agree with you. Like, it's still an important game like you want to win because you want to stay ahead of the 49ers for the two seeds in the event that both the Vikings and 49ers win and and they play each other in second round you want that game to be at U.S. Bank Stadium to give yourself uh, at least a a better chance I still don't know if they'd be favored at home against the 49ers but there are things to play for in terms of winning this game but it's totally a time to continue to kind of lean in on some adjustments and some things that you may want to do more of in the postseason blitzing and trying some different things on offense and just, yeah, just lean into that because you, you already have won the NFC North. You've, you've clinched the playoffs and this is a giants team that I don't think is that good where you can't get away with maybe getting away from your bread and butter a little bit at times. So they, they need to continue focusing on improvement. I think that's something Kevin O'Connell talked about this week. Like, yeah, we just clinched the NFC North and we had the greatest comeback ever, but why were we down 33 nothing to the Colts at halftime in the first place? That's something we need to figure out. And and some of it he said was kind of random. Like, you're usually not going to get a blocked punt because you have your one guy, Patrick Jones, on the punt team was ill and wasn't playing. And then a interception, a pick six because Jalen Rager and Kirk Cousins weren't on the same page because Justin Jefferson wasn't on the field. Like, there were some weird things in that game. A Cook fumble. Um, two fourth and ones that they just took out of Kirk Cousins' hands from inside their own 35. And so things like that. But offensively, defensively, there were some things that really didn't go well in the first half that they need to fix. So this week will be a good kind of chance to do that. Um, their last home game of the regular season, a, a beatable opponent. Um, lots, lots to watch in this game before they then head out to the frozen tundras of Green Bay and Chicago to wrap up the regular season. Do you think that they play everybody for this one? Uh, Because I think they will. I I don't think this is one to start resting players or even limiting your snap counts because, uh, you know, the last two are, but I mean, being in a playoff spot is great. If there's any open door to the number one seed, it doesn't really look like it. Um, The possibility is quite low, but Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts injured. He's banged up, but my phone went off just as uh, we were talking here. And when I look at the Adam Schefter report, he says that uh, Jalen Hurts uh, did not practice due to his sprained shoulder. So, I mean, that's a reason if there's any percentage chance at all whatsoever to fight for that number one seed, you have to do it. Even if it means the Eagles losing all of their games and you winning all of your games, crazier things have happened, uh, especially in Vikings land. You can come down from almost any deficits, even in the standings. Um, but also I, you know, I think that when it's resting starters week 18 is the time to do it. 
And even if it, next week it looks like you're in good shape for number two or you could lose number three, I think you sort of reassess when you get to that point. But for this one, even though it's wrapped up, you're in the playoffs. I, I don't think they can treat this entirely like preseason or experimentation land or whatever. I think that they really have to treat this one like you need a, you need a win here to stay in line to try to get that number two seat. No, I agree. Like you start to think about resting players as the earliest would, would be the, the January 1st game uh, in green Bay and then definitely in Chicago, depending on what the scenarios are. But yeah, you touched on it. If the Eagles lose out and they have at Dallas this week, which Dallas is really, really good. We know that they have the saints and the giants at home, the final two games, those aren't tough opponents but they're also not like the cardinals or whoever the texans like those are those are teams that you have to play well to beat we don't really know what the status of jalen hurts shoulder is will he miss a game two games whatever it may be and garden gardner Minshew is a, a solid backup and the eagles are really really good top to bottom like they're 13 and one for a reason they're they're probably not going to lose out but for this week if they lose to dallas and the vikings beat the giants then you're a third of the way there, and you're like, hey, who knows? And if the Vikings win this week and the 49ers drop a game, which hasn't happened in a long time, if they lose to Washington, then all of a sudden you have a little cushion there, and maybe you start to limit some reps against the Packers. Like, it all depends on kind of what happens with those other two teams. But, no, this week they're doing the whole whiteout thing, which will be cool at U.S. Bank Stadium. They have a chance to, if they win, go 8-1 and one at home, which would be just really impressive, something to kind of – hold your hat on and you can you can use that if you're the vikings uh like marketing people to sell tickets for next future seasons and stuff as a cool accomplishment to go eight and one at home but yeah it, it's a, and it's another i mean it's an eight five and one team coming into your building an nfc east team that they, they've lost two nfc east games this year pretty badly like I, I think they want to come in work on things but play their game and try to win this game and then if they, maybe they'll continue to mix things up a little bit especially on the defensive side but yeah, you don't. I, I don't think you start to think about resting guys until the, those those final two games. I will say though that like Brian Asamoah is a guy who I think continues to get involved this week, especially with Eric Kendricks being limited with a hip thing that he picked up in that Colts game. So Asamoah, Asazio Tomowo, who's played like ten to fourteen snaps the last couple of weeks, continue to get those guys involved. But you're not thinking about like cutting down on Justin Jefferson or Zedaria Smith or people like that just yet it's the most wonderful time of the year folks and what i mean is that time where you put liquid death in your family's stockings just to see their reactions no seriously i know you guys have heard me talk a lot about liquid death for weeks now but it's become 50 50 in my household with soda which is something i never thought would happen the biggest thing is that it comes in a tall boy can and this mountain water tastes fantastic when it is ice cold out of the fridge plus i appreciate their care for the environment liquid death is bringing an end to plastic bottles one can at a time plus they donate 10 percent of profits to end plastics that don't get recycled check out liquiddeath.com insider or go to hyvee whole foods 7-eleven or see where you can get liquid death at liquiddeath.com insider and yes it does fit in a stocking Right. I, yeah. I don't think that you want to just like sit Harrison Smith for Josh Metellus for three weeks or something like you want to, I, yeah, I think that some rotations for players who have succeeded, like, I mean, Brian Osimo, I think has been pretty good when he's come in uh, or at least to my eye on tape, he looks like he is deserving of a few more reps and he certainly is a guy that's going to have to be the future for them because I don't see Eric Hendricks and Jordan Hicks being long-term options really for this team as soon as next year Asamoa could be a starter so you try to get them some reps when you can but I also don't think it's like let's just treat this like the preseason when there's still something on the line for where they have to play uh, I don't mean to bounce kind of all over the place but I did want to circle back to Daniel Jones he has one of the weirdest stat pages of the year right like he has this is this is nuts he has five big time throws all season long, which is something that someone could reasonably do in a game. Like Patrick Mahomes could reasonably register five big time throws in a single game. 
and Daniel Jones has five. I, I would I would wager that he probably has. He pro- he probably has. Josh Allen, like that probably has happened. I don't I'm, think we can look that up right now, but I'm going to look up the leaders right now. So okay. the leader in the league is Josh Allen with 39. Oh my god! And Daniel Jones has five, <laughs> and he has he has. But been they're just sacked. not asking him to do difficult things, really. Like keep the ball out of harm's way, make simple throws. And you're not going to turn the ball over, but you're also not going to have big-time throws. And I guess that works for them. I mean, Baker Mayfield has five big-time throws. Okay, Colt I just McC- pulled up – Colt sorry, McCoy. I just, go five. Ahead. <laughs> I just pulled up Josh Allen's PFF page, and he has two games this year with at least five. Last week against Miami in the snow, he had five big-time throws. In week six at Kansas City, he had six. He has four games with four. And Daniel Jones has five all season. That's that's great. I'm trying to see how many did Mike White had three against the Vikings. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> what? Yeah, like I Daniel mean... Jones has 12 touchdown passes all season in 14 games. He has few, he's averaging fewer than a touchdown pass a game. Like he has good completion percentage, like a fairly efficient passer rating, all these things, only four interceptions. Way fewer fumbles, all these things, but they're just really, I think, smartly like limiting his responsibilities and just trying to simplify the game for him. And I don't know what their ceiling is this season, but they're eight, five, and one, and it looks like they're headed for a wild card spot. But he's been sacked 41 times, which is a ton, but he's only thrown four picks. Uh, this is this is a funny stat for you. Uh, this is kind of crazy. Uh, Daniel Jones this year, despite those numbers, has a higher QBR, which is ESPN's one through a hundred metric that tries to weigh game situation, a lot of different things. Uh, then Kirk, he has a higher QBR than Kirk this year, which I think that one of the things that we should just all know all the time is that every single statistics you, you look at has to be weighted with what you already know. Because a lot of times you can look at a single number and be like, well, that doesn't match up with what I think. And sometimes it's enlightening to tell you something about maybe whatever that you didn't know or you can't watch all the games all the time. Uh, And sometimes it's like, well, I think we need to factor in some things to this. Like if you're looking at the PFF grade for last week and you and I both watched the tape back, I find, you know, a lot of throws that are regrettable for Kirk Cousins on that tape. Uh, he threw a lot of passes and not all of them were good. And so I see why they gave him negative throws and negative grades on throws, but also like the guy had to come up with a two point conversion that loses the game. If he doesn't hit it, he made a lot of huge plays in the game. So you can walk out of the stadium being like, wow, what a performance in the second half by Kirk cousins, but also acknowledge when you watch play by play, there were, there's a dropped interception in the end zone. There's a couple of balls that just fly over people's heads. There's, you know, a pick six, there's things mixed in there. And so the same thing with like this QBR where what the QBR is clearly not factoring is that Daniel Jones almost never throws the ball and absolutely never throws it near anybody. Uh, But he does run now, Will. And this is what makes it even weirder. Like he's run for over 500 yards. Yeah, you would have. I mean, I knew he was fast, but like, I didn't think he was a running quarterback. So, how many running quarterbacks have they even faced this year? Like Kyler and Jalen Hurts, and that's kind of it. Uh, so, I don't even know. Like, oh, Justin Fields had his breakout yeah. running game on a block in the back. But uh, so that I guess that's like a test we need to talk about as well. Them facing a running quarterback here. Yeah, it is, and I think that's another area where like you want to keep Brian Asamoah involved. And I, I know maybe we're talking a lot about like their third string linebacker here, but he is a third round pick, a rookie who I think is a big part of their future. And what you see when you watch him on tape is just, I think what they saw in him to make him a third round pick was just the ability to kind of diagnose things and just fly around the field and close really quickly. And when you're playing a running quarterback, it's about your your defensive linemen, your pass rushers having good rush lanes and being disciplined in that and not kind of getting out of position but your linebackers have to fly around and make plays. Your safeties have to come up. Your, your your slot corner, people like that have to be able to make plays. So, yeah, with Daniel Jones, I mean, in the past, it was so, like, risk-reward with him, high upside. Like, he would make cool throws, and he almost had, like, an 85-yard rushing touchdown once, and then he fell over when he was running. That's, like, what I always think of when I think about Daniel Jones. 
sorry to Daniel Jones, but that'll that'll stick with you for a while. But now I think he's I think he's a little bit he's kind of reined that in, but the running aspect is still there. Where when you're a running quarterback, you're gonna hold on to the ball longer because you think you can escape from certain situations and create something out of nothing and use your athleticism. And then that also makes you susceptible to taking a bunch of sacks. So the Vikings are gonna have chances to get home, whether it's blitzing or whether it's just rushing for I, another like crazy similarity between the Vikings and the giants. There are so many of them is like their offensive lines aren't that good, but they have the, they have an unbelievable young left tackle. Andrew Thomas for the giants is one of the highest graded tackles in football. Christian Darrisaw is right up there as well. So that'll be interesting to watch whether it's Daniel Hunter, is it area Smith, whoever on that side, but then whoever else, I think like Dalvin Tomlinson against their interior could have an opportunity. Dalvin Tomlinson revenge game. I might add, I don't think he's, played the Giants since uh since leaving them so that that I could be wrong there but um, I can feel yeah. the vengeance from here oh yeah the Dalvin Tomlinson revenge game big big storyline there we got it we got to talk about one every week at least um but yeah I, I, Daniel Jones like he's he's taking care of the football well this year but he's still going to be susceptible to taking a lot of sacks him and Kirk Cousins are actually third and fourth with the most sacks taken this year Cousins weirdly is about to like set a career high in that mark. And I don't, I don't really know why that is. I think, I don't know if he's been holding on to the ball longer, if it's been a new offense thing, if it's been the interior offensive line, but he's had worse interior offensive lines before. So I don't know if you have theories on that, but yeah, two of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league facing off uh, on Saturday. Uh, my theory is that uh, Kevin O'Connell wants the routes to go down the field. And when he's waiting yeah, on good. routes, it's that's something that's kind of always been a balance for him in 2018. He took a lot of sacks as well. I mean, they were a little bit more quick passing offense, but when he had to make a lot of reads at the line of scrimmage and things like that, and it wasn't just those play actions and bootlegs, which are kind of designed to keep him away from getting sacked. I think that's played a pretty big role in it. Um, It's when I break down some of the numbers here, uh, by passing expected points added, Cousins is top 10 and Jones is more toward mediocre. So that kind of tells a, a better story about the QBR. But running wise, expected points added, who would have had this list? Justin Fields, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, interestingly, has done well running the ball, Lamar Jackson, and Daniel Jones. I wouldn't have had Daniel Jones on the list going into the season, but as far as expected points added lost to sacks cousins is one of the lowest in the league. He's 29th and Daniel Jones is 27th as far as losing EPA to sacks. So it has been harmful to their offense. And when you look at the three and outs, they are, they have the seventh most three and outs in the NFL this year. So the boomer bust offense continues. and, And that was last week. And that's why I like, I don't know. Like the Vikings, can, you're saying, have the seventh most? Yeah, they have the seventh most. Yeah. yeah, the Vikings do. And so it's like last week, is that not the exaggeration of boom or bust? The first half, I mean, yeah, the block punt and everything else, they didn't move the ball at all when they had it outside of one 40-yard run by Delvin Cook. And then they come out in the first drive of the second half and they go three and out. And it's like, okay, well, here we go. And uh, by the end of the game, it's 400-something yards passing. All of these things are very hard to process what they're actually supposed to mean. And that's what I was going to ask you, because my takeaway has been, hey, those little quick throws to KJ Osborne, good. Plus, you get a little plus for that. Keep doing that. Uh, Using Delvin Cook, getting some screen game going, get a little plus for that. You should keep doing that. Um, I I think that those things actually can be transferred. I, I don't think that those were simply a product of being down in the game and having the Colts never blitz because they don't know what they're doing. Uh, I think that especially with a team that blitzes like crazy, getting Delvin Cook involved in the passing game, getting KJ Osborne on those quick passes, those could be a huge deal to keep Kirk Cousins from getting sacked as much as he has been. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think that's something they like. They should continue having be a big part of the offense. We talked about Delvin Cook in the passing game. I think KJ Osborne, he really, really showed up in so many different ways with short routes, intermediate routes deep routes and and you're like okay this is this was the kj osborne we thought we might see in his third season kind of taking another step that just hadn't really been there all year to the point where we were like should jalen rager play more and clearly the answer to that is no because jalen rager was directly involved in both of kirk cousins interceptions but yeah more kj osborne um i think 
Adam Thielen kind of took a backseat in that game and it like it wasn't the worst thing because Adam Thielen's a good player. He's just I don't think he's a same, quite the same caliber of athlete in terms of the shiftiness as KJ Osborne is. And, and that's mainly just because KJ Osborne is like eight years younger or whatever it is. Um, and TJ Hawkinson getting him more involved. He was he was not efficient at all in terms of he was targeted like nine times and had three catches, but continuing to get cousins and Hawkinson on the same page. There's been times this year where when, when you think about why cousins take sacks, like you said, like you'll watch the tape and it's like all four guys were running deep routes and then cousins get sacked because it Ed Ingram and Garrett Bradbury and whoever can't hold up in the middle. And you're like, all right, you should have, even if it's third and long or something, you should have some sort of, shallow option that cousins can hit when he's under pressure so I, I think they've done a better job recently of kind of incorporating that and that's something you definitely have to do against a giants team that blitzes this much folks you have just days left before christmas so make sure you're going to sodastick.com to get all of your minnesota sports inspired goods that's hats t-shirts hoodies sodastick.com s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER there for your last-minute holiday shopping. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely think that uh, they knew they were going to get beat from the outset with some of the defensive linemen that the Colts had. So they had some of that stuff implemented uh, before the game, and maybe it took them until the second half to get to it because they didn't uh, have a whole lot of success in the first half. but. That's stuff that, you know, it's funny because I feel like we're getting to the point where you would hope that they are combining things that were done in the past with things that are done now. I feel like at times they really struggled with that. Like, how much do we use the bootlegs? How do we use these screens? How do we get Delvin Cook involved in the receiving game? You go back to training camp and we're discussing like nonstop, like, oh, are they going to have Delvin Cook look like Marshall Falk or something? And It just never happened until really that game. Uh, But then I go back to, like, there is a lot of stuff in that second half on tape. And I know you watched it back too. There's so many plays for one, because I was, I'm, I'm work, I haven't completed my film review yet for the website, but like, oh my gosh, how do I pick? I usually pick like 10 plays. How do I pick 10 out of that whole entire thing? It was absurd. Uh, But there always has to be this factor of like, you are playing one of the most inept teams in the league. I don't think the Giants are one of the most inept teams in the league. I don't think any of your playoff teams are. So can can you do this? Like, can you get some of these things involved? Because maybe even uh, I got fooled a little bit with that Patriots game where they ran a lot of bootlegs, moving pockets, and I was like, okay, all right, now it's solved. But then they haven't really had a lot of success with that uh, you know, going forward. So in a lot of times it's been like steps forward, then steps back and steps forward and steps back. And the accumulation of everything that they have is a, is a still a decent looking team. But I think that in order for people to believe in them and not get called pretenders or frauds or anything else, you can't go out and like score 12 points against the giants or something and and lose this game because then everyone's going to go back to like, ah, yeah, it was just the Colts. And that's just how the league works. As spectacular as it was, everyone's going to move on pretty quickly. Is there anything that they can do over the final three weeks to like escape the fraud narrative? I don't know if there is. Because you play the Giants, the Packers, and the Bears. I guess if you like win all of those games by 30, which there's enough evidence to suggest that that ain't happening, then that would probably maybe shift some people's opinions and would certainly help their uh, point differential a lot, which I think is what plus two right now for uh, an 11 and three team, which is uh, continues to be pretty amazing. Uh, I, I don't know how much they can do. I, I think this game though, we've talked about it. it it's going to be interesting. And like you could see the giants in at the same building in the first round of the playoffs. I don't know exactly what seed the giants will probably end up as, but they could be the seven and you could be the two, especially if the Vikings win this week and give the giants another loss. Like you could see them in the playoffs. So kind of how does that impact the way that you play this game this week? Probably not at all. But then if you see them again, there will be adjustments to make based on what happened in the first game. And um, it, it's just it's a it's an interesting match. If the Giants really need it, I think, to stay kind of where they want to be in the wild card race, the Vikings need it for seeding purposes. It's a matchup of 
maybe two of the front runners for coach of the year, or at least two of the top five or something. I think Nick Sirianni with the Eagles is probably going to be really up there since they're 13 and one. But I think the two most successful first year head coaches pretty clearly have been Kevin O'Connell and Brian Dable. And that's not necessarily due to the underlying metrics, but what matters most, which is winning football games and the giants offense. We've said it. Daniel Jones hasn't been turning the ball over at all. I, I was just looking at his, uh, his pro football reference page. He had 19 fumbles as a rookie, which is just ridiculous to even think about. And that continued to be an issue. 10 the next year, 7 the next year, only 5 this year. So he's kind of cut that down every year and then made that less of an issue. While the rushing production has gone up, the interceptions have gone down. Saquon Barkley, he's got off to such a strong start this season and then has kind of tailed off. But still, I mean, you just – I talked about this earlier. You, you look at all the parallels, like – efficient quarterback that maybe doesn't have the best numbers this year, really good running back, really good left tackle. Uh, the one thing the giants are clearly missing is the superstar wide receiver. They don't, they don't have anybody like that. I think Darius Slayton's like their top receiver, um, but there's parallels there defensively. I mean, like I, the matchup I'm looking at is Austin Schlotman, who's probably going to start again since Garrett Bradbury's back is kind of a weird situation. Um, Austin Schlotman against Dexter Lawrence. If you look at the uh, defense, interior defensive players who lead the league in pressures this year, it's Chris Jones in Kansas City is number one, and Dexter Lawrence is number two. He has 53 pressures this year, which are like ed- edge rusher numbers. He has the highest grade of any interior defensive player, slightly ahead of Jones. So, like, that dude is a beast. They also have Leonard Williams in the middle there, who's pretty good. Kayvon Thibodeau coming along on the edge. So, another challenge for the Vikings offensive line. Like, this Giants team, like the again, the advanced metrics aren't great, but they have some talent on both sides of the ball. Andre Patterson coaching the uh, the defensive lineman, by the way. So he'll revenge uh, game. another revenge game there, and that could be actually like a real revenge game. We talk about the revenge games where it's like, oh, it's just a player playing their former team. How often does is is there really any sentiment? Like when it's Patrick Peterson, yes, there is. Maybe Zedaria Smith. Other times, it's like Tyler Conklin doesn't hate the Vikings. But Andre Patterson got fired by the Vikings when they were, when they fired his good friend Mike Zimmer. So maybe he wants to stick it to uh, Kevin O'Connell in this new regime. But yeah, it's going to be a test for the Vikings for sure. And I think the most interesting part being just the blitz heaviness of the Giants. That's really the like the unique thing that stands out about this team. And Wink Martindale, who had a great quote of saying he was he's a blue collar guy going against Harry Styles, comparing. Comparing Kevin O'Connell to Harry Styles, which I never thought I would see, but um, I think that matchup will be really fascinating. Uh, you you ruined the uh, game at the end of the show, which pertains to that uh, quote. So we'll get to that okay. in just a minute. I've got more on that. Uh, people have people have asked me, and I'm not even saying like, oh, like I actually this actually exists, but uh, I've had people say like, you kind of look like Kevin O'Connell. To which my answer is, he's six five. So we don't actually look to say, and he's in much better shape than me. Um, and his hands are gigantic and he could probably dunk a basketball. And I, I'm 6'2", but it's not the same as an NFL quarterback. So, uh, But I think he looks more like me than he does Harry Styles. Like Harry Styles does that make a, me the, the Wink Martindale of this podcast? Yeah, uh, well, you're a blue-collar guy. <laughs> no, you're not. You went to Northwestern. You're yeah, soft not, as hell. You're not I'm, a No. I'm not that blue-collar, honestly. Not at all. Not even a little. Uh, but... <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of funny though, because I was like, I, uh, Kevin Seifert tweeted out a picture of both of them and was like, I just don't, I don't see it at all. He's got like dark hair. It's long. Like, I don't even know. What's Kevin O'Connell on. and Harry Styles. Yeah. Harry Styles. Yeah. I mean, Harry Styles is like British and not a football co- Like, I, I guess they're like, he's like, oh, he's young and attractive is probably what he oh. was getting at. But like, okay. I don't, I don't know. It was I've never heard Kevin O'Connell sure. sing, so no. maybe he's good at it. I don't know. But my thing was, why is this blue-collar football guy know about Harry Styles, right? Like, Maybe he has, maybe has daughters. I don't know. Maybe he's seen Dunkirk. Good movie. That is uh, a good movie. I was impressed with Harry Styles' acting in that movie. But uh, that's uh, one, one more comment before I get to our little game since we've gone, we've gone too far there. Uh, I don't remember what the comment was. Oh, the Vikings have the weirdest stats, though, in the whole world. And I guess it just has to be this year. The Vikings actually score on a lower percentage of their drives than the New York Giants, which makes no sense. But the Vikings are up to eighth in total scoring 
where the Giants are 20th. And the other thing is like the Vikings are within a shout of getting to maybe the top five or six, depending on how other teams play as far as their scoring. And if that happens, well, first it'll be kind of weird because they hovered in such mediocre lands forever. But if they end up with a top five offense because they play so well offensively these next two weeks, I'm not even really looking at Chicago because we don't really know yet against defenses that are like flawed, but decent enough. Then I think people would say if they had decided wins against the Giants and Green Bay and they're pushing for a top five off five offense, I think people would have to say like you're going to you're going to you need to pay attention to this team as a legitimate Super Bowl contender. If they kind of no show offensively the next couple of weeks, they fade out of the top 10, they're in the middle and they're expected points and win loss or expected uh yeah, expected win loss and uh point differential if those things finish the next two weeks as being around hovering around zero. I know that putting it into the next two weeks is sort of silly because it's a 17 game season, but it does kind of come down to how you're playing going into the playoffs. And I think that the jury is out right now. Like last week was exactly who they've been the last five weeks where sometimes it's amazing. And sometimes it's terrible. Like be amazing for two straight games. If you really want to be, you know, considered to be one of those Super Bowl contenders. So I or even or even for just four quarters in one game. <laughs> that would be a concept, right? Yeah, I mean, this this game is weird. And and you said it. Like this is an eleven and three team hosting an eight, five and one team. And you're like, oh wow, these must be really good teams. And then you go to DVOA, which I know some Vikings fans don't like because it doesn't reflect well on their favorite football team. The Giants are twenty second and the Vikings are twenty fifth. You would think that this is a battle of two, like five or six win teams at this point in the season. The Giants have 5.7 expected wins. The Vikings have 5.4. The Vikings have more than double their expected wins, according to Football Outsiders DVOA, which is just, I don't think there's ever been anything like that. And it's its just fascinating to me to see where this kind of wild roller coaster ride goes for the rest of the regular season. What will we learn? In all likelihood, they will keep doing what they've been doing, which is playing these one-score games. And with one more one-score win, they will set the all-time record, by the way. Nobody has ever won 11 one-score games in a season. They're 10-0. and 0. They're 10-0. and 0. I, I just – it breaks my brain. And so I – but I think unless they really stink it up over the next three games or they really start to soar and, and improve, they're going to go into the playoffs, like, just with the, the perception that we have of them right now, which is – they could lose to anybody. They could get blown out in the first round. Or they could win four straight one-score games and win the Super Bowl. And they have a lot to prove to do that because of what we've seen specifically in those those Philly and Dallas games. But when you have a quarterback in Kirk Cousins who's as experienced as he is and is, is playing to the system the way that he is and making some big plays, and you have the best wide receiver on the planet, and you have some defensive talent that Ed Donatel maybe is just now starting to figure out how to use, or maybe it was just the Colts. Like you're going to have a chance. You have one of the best left tackles on the planet too. Like they have, this team has the ability to, I think make a run. If the pieces break, right. They also have the ability to lose by 15 in the first round. So it's, that's what makes this season so fun and so crazy. And I, it's one I'm going to remember forever, no matter how this ends, because I will I will get to say I was at this Vikings Bills game in Buffalo that I've never seen anything like. And then I walked through a blizzard to try to get an Uber four miles away from the stadium. And then I was at the biggest comeback in NFL history. So, you know what? It's it's been a crazy ride covering this team. And um, yeah, three more three more regular season games. And then uh, then it's money time. And since I was there with you in that uber uh it was uphill both ways it really was i i mean we did we did have to go like up a hill we went across parking lots across a field up a hill it was treacherous it was very treacherous so yeah but that uber to then drive back by the stadium where we initially were which was just hilarious honestly the fact that we survived made it okay in the moment. It was really not okay. <laughs> Everything that was happening there. Uh, and uh, also like we're standing out there freezing and there's campus security that has giant SUVs. They're like, you think you could like, let us sit in your SUV while we wait or like, no. Okay. never mind. We'll just, we'll just sit out here. And I didn't bring a big jacket just to complete the story. 
So anyway, uh, I was looking at this and, oh, you know, sometimes if, if you ask me about a stat, it's like I could talk about it all day because I'm so interested in what stats just tell us about a team. Like DVOA would not be impressed at all by coming back from down 33 because one of its functions is to eliminate a lot of the stats that are put up in garbage time. Now, it turned out that it wasn't garbage time, but its function is not going to change it because it assumes you're going to not win that game. So all the yardage Kirk Cousins put up, DVOA would be programmed to be like, uh-uh, nope, not real, not real. And most of the time, that's right. But in this case, it turned out to be wrong. And I looked this up. Now, Kirk Cousins has 2,000 yards passing when playing from behind this season. So that's more than half of his total yardage passing has come when playing from behind, which is kind of classic Kirk Cousins statistics that he's been criticized for, except for playing from behind has resulted in wins seven yeah. times in the fourth quarter. Usually it doesn't. His career high before this was four. So it's another interesting thing that to talk he could, about. That he could tie for an all-time record if they have another fourth quarter comeback in the next three weeks. 2016 Matt Stafford is the only one who's ever done that eight times. So we could get Kirk Cousins tying or breaking that record. Just another reminder of how insane the season has been. So you mentioned uh, we're both picking the Vikings here. Is that right? Um, yeah. Are you going I, Giants? Um, you going to go for it? No, I, I mean, I mean, I, no, they, the Vikings just, unless they're playing the Cowboys, I'm just going to assume they're at US Bank Stadium. They'll find a way, even if they're down. 33 at halftime and like look at the Giants schedule and I was saying nice things about them earlier but they haven't beaten or tied a team other than Washington since they beat the Texans by a touchdown in mid-November and like they're two four and one in their last seven games and the wins are Houston and Washington and a tie against Washington like they're they're not good so I'm I'm taking the Vikings Right. The Vikings actually have the star power and the superstar receiver to play with anyone. I don't think that's true. There are parallels, a lot of them, as you mentioned, but that's the one separator. I don't think that the Giants can play with Justin Jefferson. So I think the Vikings will win. But here's the quick game. So Wink Martindale, as you mentioned, compared, uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell to Harry Styles, which mm -hmm. like, is it Jeff Bridges who would play Wink Martindale in the movie? Yeah, is that who good? Uh, so I typed in to Google the words pop singer and 21 results popped up, including Harry Styles. I want to know how many of the other 20 you can guess that came up as results for pop singer. And I will tell you, there's only one that's like way, way out there. Okay. All the other ones are ones you could absolutely guess. They're definitely people you know. These are not movies set in Chicago or whatever we did. The the movie set in Miami one, oh, Miami. I, I had a tough time with. This one is much more up my alley as someone who listens to perhaps an embarrassing amount of pop music mixed in with other genres, of course. But, um, okay, I will say Taylor Swift, obviously. Correct. Um, Ariana Grande. That's right. Um, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran is a perfectly reasonable guess. His name did not pop up. His name is not interesting. But, um, but uh, you know, it's a good guess. He's certainly yeah. one of the bigger pop stars. Um, let's see who. Okay, now, of course, my brain is going to go blank here. But it wouldn't be like The weekend, would it? It's another good guess. And uh, I will tell you that there's only three male singers on here. Okay. Uh, no, four. There's four. Um, two of them are legendary singers and two of them are present, but one of them is Harry Styles. But you like think think even bigger than the weekend. Okay. Um, well, I'll I'll go with some more females then. Like Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa is correct. Yep. She on there. Okay, yep. that's a good one. Um Katy Perry. Katy Perry's on there, yep. Um Kelly Clarkson. That, that might be too much of a Kelly that might Clarkson be too old. Here. Uh, Kelly Clarkson is not. Okay. Again, a, a very good guess. And uh, but a bit of a throwback since Steve Carell in the 40-year-old virgin was yelling Kelly Clarkson. So maybe she's been around a little too long. I mean, um, no, some of some of these have been around a while, but these are like these are the biggest yeah. of the biggest. Google did a good job finding these. Rihanna. Rihanna's correct. Yep. Beyonce. Beyonce is, uh, she certainly, uh, Queen B deserves to be on. I guess here, maybe more like R and B, but not really. I don't know. Um, she's not in the, in the top 20. 
Oh no, wait. Yeah, no, she. I'm sorry, I overlooked it. Yep, she is. So okay, you only have okay. a couple left here to go. You've done a great job. Okay, interesting. I feel like I've only gotten like seven, but um, oh man. Well, think uh, think about Christmas time. Okay, Mariah Carey. That's correct. Yep. Yep. Is there like is like Madonna on there? Uh, Madonna is. Yep. Okay. You're doing um, a great job with this. How about um, this girl is uh, famously from the block. Um, J Lo. That's correct. Yep. Nice. Uh, um, how about uh, one recent, just sort of blew up on the scene last year? She's pretty young. Oh, Olivia Rodrigo. That is correct. Took nice. over. Nice. Kind of took over the pop scene. Yeah. You're, you're missing a hockey playing Canadian male singer. Justin Bieber. Of That's course. right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these, these hints you're giving me are, are too easy here, but yeah, I should have got, I should have got the beats. Well, of course. Uh, very much like draft season. This singer's hips do not lie. Oh my God. Shakira. <laughs> yes. Yes. I should have got Justin Bieber. Cause when I was in high school, I like when I used to have hair, I like did it <laughs> really? in front, like, like the Justin Bieber cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was amazing. Photos um, or it didn't happen. Oh, I, I'll show you some sometime. Um, Okay, so you're right, missing. I might, I might tap out here. A really big female. Also, because this is great podcast content of me just. She sung at the Super Bowl. Think of female vocalist. Oh. Um, um, she swung down all the way from the top of the stadium. I don't know. who is this? She did a movie with Bradley. No, was it Bradley Cooper? Oh, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Was that him? Yeah, a star. A Star is Born. It was Bradley yeah. Cooper. Oh, okay. I forgot who the male was. Yeah. Because he can't voice. sing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, let's just be honest here. Uh, okay. So now this is a funny thing. You've checked off all but one. Uh, or no, all but uh, all but three. One of them is Britney Spears. Another is Michael Jackson. And again, this is oh. just me Googling Michael Jackson. Singer. So the there's King no of skill to this. Gotten. The hilarious one that you would never guess that shows up here in the top 20 for pop singers is John Mellencamp. Oh yeah, no way. All the other ones make complete sense and they're all legendary <laughs> except for John Mellencamp. Well, that was good. I like that game that you tied into a random Wink Martindale quote right there. This is this is why the people come to the Purple Insider podcast. I think Wink probably listens to a lot more pop music than he wants to let on. Anyway, so that was ridiculous, but uh that's the way I like to end the show with you. So um well, Enjoy. Uh, you're going to have a little family time for Christmas. So enjoy yep. that. And it will be an interesting game to study and normal. It'll be normal. Yeah. And everyone in, everyone in Minnesota, stay safe out there. It's cold. It's snowy. It's slippery. Don't be, be cautious. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Even like, if you're, if you're even, going to the game on Sunday, give yourself a lot of time. I always want like, there are freaks out there that think that the like outside playing outside is good. Like I get, oh, it's no. not, it's not, no. it's terrible. Like anyway. that Buffalo snow game looked cool, but then you're like, if they were, if the Vikings were playing outside this week, everyone would just be miserable. Right. Yeah. And when they did it, your kicker missed the 27 yard kick. So enjoy your stadium anyway uh thanks for all your time will and thank you all for listening we will see you after the giants game